Welcome to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz, and while I am an attorney, the Buzz Off show is not legal advice. Instead, it's a weekly look at all of the buzz surrounding drones, autonomous vehicles, the Internet of Things, and all the gadgets and gizmos and technology in between. Join us each Wednesday from 2 to 3 in the afternoon on America's Web Radio or find the Lawyer Liz podcast on americaswebradio.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, your favorite podcast streaming service. And as we come back from a the holiday hiatus and get the 2018 shows off with a bang, well, there is a lot to talk about. 2018 has yet to disappoint, and we're only halfway into January. So with that said, up for grabs on today's show are everything from connected IoT toilets to data breaches, to settlements with the FTC, as well as a reminder that uh, smart homes, smart cities, Alexa, and Amazon's Echo are out to take over all the things we're doing. And a a true reminder that, as Pat Benatar uh, said for love, that it's a battlefield. And cybersecurity and data protection and technology is no different. And really looking at it from a military strategy, protecting your data, protecting your information, protecting your systems, brings a lot of both corollaries, links, and provides a helpful and useful approach to both threat analysis as well as defense. So we will be chatting with Greg Conti later in the show on his latest book with Dave Raymond called On Cyber Towards an Operational Art for Cyber Conflict, where they look at cybersecurity and take the approach from a military strategy point of view. But before we can even get into that, let's set the stage a little bit because with the Consumer Electronics Show, earlier this month, certainly set the stage and had lots of announcements and information, but even more so, Hawaii over the prior weekend had a now infamous snafu where an alert went out and notified uh, residents of Hawaii that they were under imminent uh, missile attack. And oops, uh, from all accounts so far, it was the wrong button or the wrong uh, link got clicked from a drop-down menu and brought us two quick reminders. One, uh, user interface, designing such systems, more attention needs to be paid and thought given. It should be a little bit harder. The two links to say, is this a drill or is this not a drill, should be a more difficult to, or easier to distinguish between and a little bit harder to uh, send out perhaps two-factor authentication type style. Are you really sure this is what you want to do? But even an easier fix is a reminder in some of the pictures that have been circulating uh, post 
the incident where if you have your passwords and you can't remember them because, quite frankly, who can remember all of our passwords for every different thing? Uh, don't post it to the front of your computer. And if you do that, then don't then post a clear picture of your computer with the password absolutely visible in uh, photos that are then circulated by your own government agency. So just a quick reminder, if you're going to have to write down the password, hide it somewhere, put it under the keyboard, perhaps anywhere, just not on the front. Well, all kidding aside, uh, beware the apps in the smartphone or smart home issues as well, because WAG Labs, a dog walking smartphone app, announced that it exposed at least 100 users and customers' records. And of those, probably 50 of them, according to some research, were the actual lockbox credentials so that under the WAG Labs dog walking app, you could uh, have a lockbox. Dog walker could come by, lock, you know, get the code, open the lockbox, open your home, take your dogs out. Well, not quite so easy protecting as unfortunately WAG Labs has discovered. And so it's, it's a reminder of what happens when all of our stuff gets connected. Well, VTech, uh, for their children's learning apps has the FTC recently announced a settlement with VTech where VTech was collecting personal information of children without notice to or consent of the parents. And the FTC also alleged that they didn't take adequate steps to protect the data they were collecting. So in addition to some other uh, steps required of VTech, they'll pay a $650,000 fine. Well, what all is involved? And with that, VTech had their Learning Lodge Navigator and their Kid Connect app. And as of November 2015, they had 2.25 million parents had signed up at least 3 million children to part- or to use this learning app. And the data that was collected and Everything from date of birth to emails to addresses to gender, all that information, they failed to protect it. They were collecting additional information from the children's use of the apps. And it's just a stark reminder that not only is it entry to your home, but it's those little details that you can't change. And once they're out there, it makes you susceptible to identity fraud, among other issues. Well, Alexa and Google, coming out of the uh, Consumer Electronics Show, had some big announcements, and one of which, uh, leading up to the Consumer Electronics Show, where Google announced that it had sold 6.7 million Google Home devices in the prior 80 days. So calculating that out through the announcement, it was average or likely around 7.7 five actual million uh, Google Home devices that the as- Google's assistant runs on 400 million devices. That includes phones and watches with more than 1,500 smart home devices and over 225 brands that support Google Assistant. 
Well, okay. Those are some hefty numbers coming out, but not to be outdone. Alexa uh, announced that it's running on probably over, or that its software is AI is on over 4,000 devices, 1,200 brands, and 30,000 what they call skills, but apps are using Alexa's voice assistant. Everything from Kohler with their smart toilets that they announced to the smart watches to almost any device you can think of in the home and also announced in the office. Well, what does that mean? That you're now increasing and expanding the reach. It's not just the home and the AI voice assistants. It's offices. It is places where you wouldn't have typically thought of all this information and all these cross app platforms. Well, one of the questions is who's going to have access to that? What are some of the, in addition to the, uh, you know, when the information in your cars, where Alexa is going to be uh, used in Toyota cars to the smart glasses, to the cooler smart toilets, it's really delving into our digital lives and looking at seamlessly transferring or having a seamless connection of all that data. Well, the problem is when you have all that data and all that information, you have to be able to protect it and whether it's going to be protected and how it's going to be protected and also who's going to have access to it, again, becomes one of the issues. In particular, when you look at India's announcement recently that their one billion person public database was compromised by former employees, that you read about uh, credit card breaches, uh, Homeland uh, Security notified folks on January 3rd that notified over 240,000 employees that their data was exposed and out there. And so once again, it just becomes an issue of, or to be aware of, of what information, what are you discussing? Do you want that out there? And do we truly need smart toilets, uh, smart toothbrushes, as we talked about before on the show? Well, protecting the data and creating that built in or baked in security, is it a is it truly a question of security versus convenience? Does it need to be? Are certainly things to watch ahead in 2018. But from an adversarial perspective, right after this break, we will discuss what happens on that front and how how should we approach it with Greg Conti. Well, you're listening to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on americaswebradio.com. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this commercial break. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com 
and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. As we teased before the break, you know, every time you turn on the TV, every time you're watching the news, it's this nation state has done that to the other or the latest uh, data breach hack is because of some, be it North Korea, the Russians, uh, everyone but the Canadians. And really when you break it down into uh, cyberspace or cybersecurity and all of that as the next frontier on the battlefront, uh, who better to talk about this than author and really someone who I'm surprised this is the book uh, that is coming out now, but Greg Conti is a former uh, ran West Point cybersecurity research and education programs for, and that's how we met, but for over a decade and now works with IronNet cybersecurity, but between his PhD and more than 70 research articles and uh, Greg, I run out of space talking about your resume, but you wrote the book. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. My pleasure to be here, and and you're being very kind. I I appreciate it. Well, I mean, I'm being kind, but at the same time, you know, one of the things we just need to go ahead and get, uh, you know, get get through kind of right off the bat was as as I'm sitting here in my West Point sweatshirt uh, some might say that it's the beginning of a streak but Army and West Point are now home to gosh a, a commander's cup I mean a, is it is it too soon to talk about that <clears throat> well, it, it was really good to see. I mean, I, I, as you know, I, I went there, and uh, I. Uh, it, it's always good to um, to win uh, against Navy. The whole place is uh, organized around that in many ways. But um, yeah, so it, it was it was huge to see that that win, and there there the second win, and it had been such a demoralizing streak of losses uh, prior to that. Uh, but I have a good cyber analogy. Uh, if you're game, I'll go ahead and tell you that moves beyond Army football. <clears throat> Absolutely. I think inquiring minds want to know. So it, I went there, and uh, and as a cadet, the games were mandatory. And... Um, and I went, and it was it was good. It was, I enjoyed the games. I enjoyed the spirit, but I didn't like the mandatory aspect of it, so it always kind of chafed at me. And uh, and then coming back uh, to teach, I saw how much energy uh, went into uh, the football team, and I, in my mind, uh, thought, well, really, as I look at the. I'm going to take a step back. As I look at the different academies, uh, the Naval Academies focused obviously on the Navy, the Air Force Academy and the Air Force, and West Point uh, for the Army. Uh, I I see, I believe that we need a uh, a West Point 
uh, for cyber, uh, basically a service academy for cyber that grows people who can specialize in it. Uh, because if you look at the uh, service academies uh, effort, the amount of energy they put into their football programs, uh, imagine if we put that into their uh, capture the flag teams, right? If they were in high schools uh, recruiting uh, for talent, uh, the best in the nation, and you could grow them through a, a specialized uh, curriculum because each of the service academies are naturally focused on um the the, you know, the army the naval, uh, I'm sorry West Point is focused on the army and the, so, so things cybersecurity related well there's a good ecosystem and they're supportive it's ancillary to their core mission it's it's uh, but to have a service academy for cyber that focuses on it and that their army navy game is the cyber defense exercise against all the other service academies uh, and navy in particular that would be a huge win so. I, uh, I I look forward to the de- to the day where there's a service academy that's dedicated. Their core mission is around uh, information and cybersecurity. Well, you know, it, you raise a very valuable point in that is is that the cyber aspect when everything's connected and all the information is flowing back in forth on you know a minute by minute second by second basis that it it really isn't just one academy's focus or the other that it it truly should be i mean when we have to go back and uh, teach i mean the same issues for a navy ships systems are going to be this you know similar issues uh, radio RF, SDR, and so many of the connected devices and the information, the system, I mean, it's the same operating systems perhaps running that, that you would find in uh, the aircraft uh, as well as the ground uh, commands it. Absolutely. And, you know, now that we have Cyber Command uh, over at Fort Gordon in Georgia, I mean, why not have the Cyber Academy and well, capture the flags in those kinds of missions? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think it's uh, an intriguing idea, and that's how we can dr- grow a, a, a truly, you know, world-class professional force. I mean, not that we're not working hard to do that today, but if you, if you had that type of pipeline, we're recruiting from the high schools, uh, as you as hard as you recruited for service academy football team, uh, and admissions <laughs> department focused on the best people to serve uh, in cyber positions in the military and in government. If you mm-hmm. do that, and then it, when they graduated, there were, were career paths in those forces to accept them. You, you could have thirty year veterans that are just amazing, as we do today. I mean, you think of like the division commander. Uh, who commanding the 82nd Airborne Division, they've been go- growing through a series of developmental assignments their entire career that has groomed them, and they've chosen the best of the best for these positions. Uh, I, I, I'm, I look forward to the day. Not that it isn't work, people aren't working hard on that now, but that could uh, a service academy for cyber could up um, up our game and even even higher, in order of magnitude higher, perhaps. Well, it's it's breaking down the silos. It's acknowledging that a vulnerability in or an issue or that uh, 
nefarious actors, be it individuals, nation states, or other interests, they're not going to pause and go, oh, wait, you know what? I think I have just infiltrated an airplane's system and not a ship system. Oh, stop. Got to go back. Got to hand this off to another team. It's no, we've, we've gotten in. We've, or, you know, our plan of attack is every, uh, Every camera that is associated or this IoT device, they're not going to say, well, well, no, no, that one's on the ground. That's off limits. Got to do something else. And this defenses and the information sharing even. So, all right, we've made, I've made the analogy, perhaps inarticulately, that, you know, in today's political and corporate climate that cybersecurity is war, is the battlefield. Uh, can you put some polish on that? I mean, what, how did y'all get to the theory? I mean, your book is on cyber towards an operational art for cyber conflict. How, you know, what led to this book in particular? Well, what led to the book at, at its core was a conversation I had with a friend at a, a hacker conference, at the Shmukon Hacker Conference. And he was describing, um, he was protecting a, a think tank in, in Washington and was describing the dilemma he faced of there were nation state um, cyber teams uh, attempting to break into his network. And his the dilemma he faced was whether to, uh, cut them off or to, uh, so they couldn't gather uh, more, you know, kind of probe his network more or to let them um, proceed under supervision for a while to gather more information, to gather more intelligence on how they operated and maybe you know, figure out who they were better or to protect against them in the future. And that, that was his, his dilemma. And, uh, I told him, oh, that's in the military, that is, uh, that's called intel, intel gain loss, right? You, you determine, um, whether the, you have to kind of determine is that balance of which of those you should do. So there's a concept there. And then we continued the conversation and realized that much of traditional military thinking, the hundreds and hundreds of years of, of military strategy writings, of, you know, from Sun and Clausewitz forward, uh, could be mapped over to uh, to cybersecurity in, in useful ways. Not all of it, but there's a, there was much to be mined, and that was about five years ago. And I've been working hard on that question ever since. And being at West Point, I was well positioned. Uh, to uh, kind of tap uh, traditional, they have a world-class history, military history department there, for example, to, to tap the, the various pools of expertise and uh, in military strategy and tactics and operations and apply them to cybersecurity. So that was the kind of the, um, the seed of it, and, and it, it kind of took form in, uh, in the book. Well, and you and David Raymond, your co-author, I mean, y'all certainly have experience and both having been uh, in that environment where you're surrounded by the strategic, the military strategic thinking, uh, how 
difficult or shocking you when you started playing out this theory of, you know, we can apply this here. Was it surprisingly easy to see it all fall into place or did it take some shifting so I, I think uh, it, it depends, right? Uh, so you're a lawyer, you understand that it, it, it depends. Um, but uh, some things uh, mapped over well. Uh, some of them uh, you had to fight with. And if you had to fight with them too much, then it, it probably meant, meant that you um, it, you were forcing it too much. So to, the trick was to go through uh, this uh, body of knowledge, and it's a pretty massive body of knowledge, and find the pieces that did work and and map them over, and others uh, that didn't, and, or maybe I just uh, you know Dave and I couldn't find the right connection, uh, and and set them aside. So that was kind of uh, kind of the art of it, and there were some surprises too. Um, one thing we looked at is uh, a, a theory that came from a Prussian military theorist, a very famous one uh, called um, uh, named Clausewitz. And uh, he wrote the famous book uh, on war, and actually the title of On Cyber is a nod to, to Clausewitz's work. And he um, he had a theory called center of gravity analysis. And center of gravity analysis is this way to dissect an adversary and determine what is the um, – what what is the core uh, source of their power? And you break it down into, uh, like, if you can determine their source of power, it, it provides them this moral and physical strength, this ability to, to act. And if you can find that, you can break it down. And I'll say, uh, breaking down or finding Superman's kryptonite. Uh, and we're going to have to hold that thought as we go to a commercial break that you're listening to buzz off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one, can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. 
Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. Catch us each Wednesday on AmericasWebRadio.com from 2 to 3 Eastern. Catch the Lawyer Liz podcast version available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, your favorite podcast streaming service. Talking today with Greg Conti uh, at CyberBegon on Twitter and talking with Greg about his latest book with David Raymond on, on cyber. And Greg, before the break, we had begun talking about kind of the, the meaning behind or the theorist behind the name of the book, but talking about identifying if you can find the superhero, the adversaries, strengths, weaknesses, uh, now you're ready to get going. So let's jump right back in. I hate that we had to interrupt for a commercial break. Sure. Um, so I, I was discussing uh, Clausewitz's theory on center of gravity. Uh, and that's evolved from uh, from you know, hundreds of years ago and still part of, of thinking today. And, but it hadn't really been, uh, we've been, we found it very useful to apply it to cybersecurity and cyber conflict. And it's, uh, the idea is that there's the center of gravity, which is the source of power uh, for your adversary. And it's this tool that allows you to deconstruct that kind of what their source of power is and, uh, it kind of, rigorously dissect it. So you can go from this idea of their source of power, and then you think about, well, what are the capabilities required for that source of power to function? Let's say it was the internet, right? And uh, that those capabilities might be search in hardware and software and the and, and then protocols and infrastructure and internet governance. And then from the, those critical capabilities, you break them down into uh, requirements, uh, the conditions and 
resources required for those capabilities uh, that I just described. So for hardware, it might be like chip foundries or uh, warehousing and transportation of hardware. For software, it might be uh, an app store or software update mechanisms that allow us to patch our computers automatically. Uh, Or for telecom infrastructure, it might be undersea cables or communication satellites. Uh, And then the final step of this of center of gravity goes to critical capabilities, goes to requirements. And then those requirements I just listed, uh, say undersea cables, you look at each of those for vulnerabilities. And for example, there's been recent news stories that uh, that uh, undersea cables are at risk because you think about it, it's a giant cable at the bottom of the ocean. So if someone with a submarine could, you know, tamper with that, and there's been recent news stories covering that, um, communication satellite transmissions could be jammed. You could you could use G- there are GPS jammers and GPS spoofers that allow you to fool a GPS and tell it that um, the receiver that you're in a location that you're not. Uh, that could be life-threatening. And so this, this tool of center of gravity analysis that we go into in the book allows us to re- like deconstruct pretty much anything. It could be your company. It could be a city. It could be the U.S. democracy. Uh, it would be very interesting to walk through the U.S. democracy and say, uh, what capabilities does it need to function? And what are the requirements that kind of underpin those? And then look for vulnerabilities. Uh, and I think, and I've done a bit of this, and you find that largely those vulnerabilities are, as you search out the vulnerabilities, you find out that many of them have already been exploited, both on the internet and in the democracy. Um, so, like, this is how, I mean, one of the main, uh, you know, kind of points that we make in the book is that nation states think big. They're literally fielding armies in cyberspace, and they have the re- they have far greater resources and, and much uh, greater uh, legal authorities to to use force. Uh, so they they have a, a very distinct effect. So they can operate at a scale and scope and at speed that it's hard for us to consider. Uh, so they can very well map the entire internet and the devices that are on it. Uh, where companies are largely have far fewer resources and are operating at a lot smaller scale. But no, as I say, it, 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 of course, I start thinking of that in the context of my nine to five job. And one of the things when you look at an airport, for example, and the focus can tend to be on, say, oh, well, it's aviation, it's it's the airplanes. But as it, both uh, the airport I work for, but airports all over the country have seen something as simple as, you know, a, a software glitch or one system goes down and the entire airport becomes paralyzed. And one airport becoming paralyzed means several becomes because you have that ripple down if planes can't land. That means they can't take off if they can't take off from one to be. So that's fascinating that applying the that analysis, uh, certainly applicable, but what do you do when you don't have the resources? I mean, how is all hope lost? We should just, uh, you know, give up now or... Uh, be scrappy little guerrilla 
uh, warfare on our own. That's that's a very good point. And I think there are things that um, individuals can do, companies can do, and uh, the government uh, should do. I, I, I think uh, partnership between uh, the government and the um, private sector is really essential, right? If uh, it's the government's responsibility to protect the nation, right? That's what they do. That's why they exist in many ways. So they're wrestling right now with protecting themselves. As the OPM hack, uh, which the audience may or may not be familiar with, but that was the Office of Personnel Management, they performed the background checks on everyone with a security clearance. And there was more than, there was, there was tens of millions of um, background dossiers on everyone with a security clearance uh, stolen by uh, the, the, the alleged to be a nation state. And so they're wrestling with, uh, with protecting themselves. Um, but, but a company can't stand alone against the resources a cyber, a literal cyber army could bring to bear. So in my mind, the answer has to be uh, a partnership between the, uh, the private sector and the public sector. Well, and two, crafting both those inner, you know, I guess the partnerships between private and public sector or the government sector, but also creating, you know, information sharing networks and resources amongst private companies. I mean, that, that's certainly been a shift or at least a movement towards that from various sectors where, hey, we can't do this alone, but if you've just recently handled or responded to a breach, can you tell us what you did or how do they get in that, that information sharing as well amongst the private sector? That's a really good point. I've, How does uh, that play I've into it? So I've uh, done a good bit of work in that. Um, the uh, uh, of late, the to me uh, that companies in the same sector should um, be able to share what they can, right? And there's there's institutions, there's the ISACs that. Uh, 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 that allow sharing, but in, in many ways, it's at, it's at human speed, right? That's in relationship based that you're uh, sharing information. You're calling up a buddy over in another organization. And these attacks can be over in a matter of uh, like one cry in, in minutes, it could devastate a network so that we truly need machine speed information sharing. So I actually, in my, my day job, that's what I've been working on. Um, I'd also add that government without without a connection to the government, and we could probably get into the legal specifics. But in my mind, it's the government that possesses the right, in general, to use force on the behalf of its citizens. And the companies, while they can be better defend themselves, ultimately they can just do that only defend, and sooner or later that's going to fail. Uh, I like the idea of uh, that, that there can be these companies can actually connect in a measured way, and I, and I because I'm a privacy advocate too, so this is a fine line here. Uh, but in a measured way, they can call for help, 
right? That there's a way they can push a, you know, push a button and say, I need the government involved with this incident. And perhaps it's at machine speed or at high speed, it, it can be passed to the government. Here's the parameters of our incident. Act on it. I mean, it's that we need that type of speed. Uh, to to really in, in interconnectivity to pull off that information sharing in a way that can truly respond. Well, and too, it's kind of taking out the embarrassment factor of going, look, you're going to be breached at some point, or you're going to have an issue at some point. Perhaps through some action or inaction or failure on your part, but just no, you know, no judge judgment free zone, but. Communicate with us. Uh, Neil, how does the recent focus on hacking back uh, legislation or other state initiatives, it, does it help or hinder in this case? Well, hacking back in general um, sounds good in theory, but it makes me really twitchy. Um, <laughs> I... I, I think it goes back to my thought that the government possesses the authority to use force, and I believe that's right. There's lots of, I think, pretty well understood risks of hacking back that they that a company could go back against the wrong target. Uh, they could start a war. <laughs> I mean, a literal war. A literal war uh, that they can't absorb a counterattack. They might. They, there, there's a lot of serious issues. Uh, that and, it, and I think this links pretty well back to that the idea of at machine speed being able to request government support and then the government having the capability to act on that on their behalf at high speed in a meaningful way. No, ab, absolutely. Well, and, and as you said, it sounds good in theory, and it's it's a matter of fleshing out when are you. It, hacking back, so to speak, to retrieve your information. How do you minimize what, you know, do you inadvertently cause additional damage or, you know, what, what happens when you stumble upon information that is not yours, uh, or systems of oops, uh, turns out they spoofed. I mean, we've certainly on this show highlighted some of the issues and you said, uh, Certain things can be aired in. Do you have insurance for that? I mean, it just, it, it opens up a whole new can of worms. Yeah. Well, maybe after it's the break, it. we can talk about it some more. No, absolutely. And you are being so thoughtful and so good. Uh, the, now that I have, uh, uh fuss or imparted on the need for recognizing, because this is a radio show, uh, the, commercial sponsors so with that talking with greg conti and we will pick back up right after this break that you're listening to buzz off with lawyer liz on america's web radio the disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp what should be the course of treatment who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed 
to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. And welcome back to Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz on America's Web Radio. I'm your host, Lawyer Liz. Follow me on Twitter. And thanks again to our guest, Greg Conti, at CyberBegon on Twitter. Because, Greg, we've been talking today about, you know, basically cyber warfare as actual warfare with military strategy in your new book. And so, you know, it, it raises the question, if we're truly talking about warfare, uh, General Patton was considered or is considered one of the most brilliant strategic military minds. Well, who would be the equivalent? Who would be the general pattern of cyber warfare? So that's um, a very uh, a very good question. I tend to think of it. Um, so th- there's two ways to look at it. I would say, and uh, that the the seminal voice and architect of of today was General uh, Keith Alexander in terms of he created uh, U.S. Cyber Command from scratch. Um, in my mind. I, having taught at West Point, I, I tend to think more of, of Billy Mitchell, um, who uh, he was very, very famously in 1921 uh, sunk a, a battleship, uh, the captured battleship, uh, to prove uh, the, the uh, to prove the air power the, that an air force could do such a thing. <clears throat> a bit of a maverick and really pushed the envelope. So I, I look at. Um, the cadets that we've trained over the last 10 years that I see from them, the, the cadets are at West Point now and the other equivalent one folks at the other service academies, <clears throat> that it's from that pool that we're gro- going to, that we're growing the, the general patents of the future. So what you're saying is once again, uh, it will probably the next great uh, military strategy, uh, say, a uh, strategic mind will come from shock upon shock, the uh, United States Military Academy, uh, because, oh. you know, it, keeping the tradition alive. I mean, go Army, sink Navy. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know about that. I think the I, I, I worked in the Joint Force, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and been very impressed with expertise across the board. So I won't go that far. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, they're great too, but... But I would say that, and I had the chance to sit on, the, the Army stood up something called uh, the Cyber Branch. So as there's infantry career path in the Army and the armor career path in the Army, there's now one for cyberspace operations. And I had a chance to sit in on the first board where we reviewed files uh, to pull people in. It was really unprecedented, uh, all the way from lieutenants to um, to colonels were pulled into the cyber branch. And when we looked at the expertise uh, in cyber uh, cybersecurity, information security, cyberspace operations, it, there was an inverted the, – the skill set was inverted. Normally, you'd expect at the highest levels, they'd folks with decades of experience. 
Uh, but we found, or what I, in my humble opinion, uh, found, that the expertise in this space was at the bottom. It was the lieutenants, the captains, the more junior folks that had the most expertise. They, they, they had more time doing this activity than the senior people. Uh, and that's totally inverted from what you'd find in any other field in the Army. So um, that's why I look to the more junior people to be the patents of the future. Well, and you know, it, it makes sense because they're the ones who are growing up or through their educational uh, experience, seeing it applied on a more day-to-day, almost minute-by-minute basis. So uh, they've had to adapt and learn and address it, uh, certainly, uh, through that. So excellent. Well, then I look forward to uh, seeing who comes out ahead. I mean, this past election is we're continuing to see the fallout from was probably the first time really you've heard about these information operations where, I mean, one assumes that countries have and nation states have been enacting these kinds of uh, information campaigns to influence, uh, be it issues or elections in other places, since, you know, as long as countries have had elections. But this seems to be one of the first times that the, the cyber front has been involved in that. Well, it's a very good point. I think, and I've been studying um, information operations and influence operations basically, uh, for the, uh, the last couple of years in depth. Uh, you're right. Information has been used as a weapon for a very long time, but we're in a different world now. Uh, that that social media in particular, but the the internet followed by social media has made the world intensely interconnected. And you have uh, large uh, social media companies with, I mean, there's people with a uh, hundred million followers uh, on Twitter, and. The president of the United States is not going through the media to uh, share his messages. He's using social, he's using Twitter to do so. So, and everyone carries a mobile phone, uh, at least in the, the, the modern, uh, you know, the, the developed nations of the world. Everyone in their pocket, call, everyone in the world carries a mobile phone in their pocket. And so we're in a different world where information, um, it can be pushed and, ex- and re- retransmitted and morphed and shaped uh, in a very rapid fashion that was just impossible uh, in, in decades ago. Well, I mean, absolutely. As you hear about you know, different uh, campaigns, be it a social issue, just taking over and you know, flooding or, I mean, there have been a couple of folks in the news recently that I think to myself, I have no idea who this person is, but you go and find out that on Instagram or YouTube, they have a couple million subscribers looking at their stuff every day. I'm thinking, good gracious, it's it's different because there aren't those filters or you know, it used to be newspapers wouldn't print anything that hadn't been thoroughly vetted. But now one errant tweet and Kofifi. 
Yes. And, well, I think a good example was the, the hurricane that hit, hit Houston, right? Someone jokingly uh, took a doctored photo uh, that showed sharks in, um, in, in, in a... <laughs> it was so funny, right? though. Yeah, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about because it, it went around the world, right? That there were sharks uh, in flooded freeways in Houston that people people better watch out. It was patently false. And the government tried to set up a uh, a, a, a counter site that could could put out truth to, to very scared people in the middle of a crisis. But that that tweet about sharks in the, in, in in the freeways of Houston received like a hundred and like order of magnitude more, probably two orders of magnitude more tweets, retweets, visibility than the official message. There are people today who still believe that there were sharks due to the hurricane in the streets of Houston. Well, I was reading an interesting uh, Twitter, uh, I don't know, chain um, diatribe that was giving, where basically a researcher was explaining how one false assumption or mistaken assumption that if X, then Y, but without all the information, he made it, published it, pushed it out, and it just, it became viral. But through working with the company and working with, immediately realized, or not immediately, but realized, oof, I missed this key variant that completely changed everything. He pointed out that the correction and corrective measures he took received nowhere near the amount of hits and retweets and likes. And so trying to capture, recapture that message to say, I got it wrong. Please don't rely on this. And that six months later or something, it was picked up again in a news story and begging them to say, stop. I got it wrong six months ago. Please stop repeating it now. But that's a powerful weapon when we're talking about the cyber, you know, the cyber world in context of militarization or not militarization, but the military strategy. I mean, you plant one wrong seed and you can do far more damage than perhaps you hoped. That's a really good point. I mean, in the example you just used, that individual had all the right intentions, and then uh, it got out it and tried to fix it. Imagine the it, the threat, you know, a malicious actor, what they could do and what they've done, uh, that they carefully build up personas of people, voices on the Internet, they push out their messages and can, or buy advertising to help further their message. And it, it can have a, a greatly amplified effect uh, exploiting what you've just described. And so what can, what can either companies or individuals or even uh, the United States, what, how do you combat that? So that's, that's actually a really good question. Um, and, and I've been studying it, and, and actually, this um, so we, we're creating class uh, on information operations 
uh, both from the offensive and defensive perspective, that, that gets into that because it, it, there isn't any one cure-all. I think that there are many steps that you can take, uh, but and I don't know that there's full protection, kind of like cybersecurity. So at, um, at Black Cat USA this summer, we are uh, we've been accepted for a course uh, to teach on information operations, and we're going to be looking at it from the defensive perspective. Well, fantastic. I highly encourage anyone going. What are some other places people can find your research or your projects? So, uh, well, the work we've been talking about has been based on, we've taught a course at Black Hat USA uh, for, gosh, I think this is the fifth year. So we were just accepted on military strategy and tactics for cybersecurity. So that's helped us vet our ideas and and, uh, working with the students who are actually very good cybersecurity people. so we'll be at Black Hat USA this summer teaching the military strategy and tactics for cybersecurity in our new I.O. course. Um, going to be at Usenik's Enigma conference next week uh, speaking on this, and, and that talk will be available online. Uh, and also in um, 12 to 16 March, or actually 12 and 13 March, uh, I'll be out at uh, Troopers, uh, which is a, a conference in Germany. Uh, speaking uh, and teaching the course on military strategy and tactics. So people can do that. Um, and finally, the, uh, the books out there. So if you can't make the course, um, the uh, military uh, the, on cyber is available on Amazon, and we've just created a Kindle edition. Oh, fantastic. And all of this, um, if people follow you on Twitter, can find that at uh, Cyber Be Gone. Do you have a website as well? Uh, my website is um, com. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much. And it's so much to cover that we're going to have to just bring you back on the show. Yeah, uh, and uh, so thanks, Greg, for your time. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, Rob Graham, our intrepid political and entertainment correspondent, is out on assignment. And hopefully he will be able to rejoin us in the future. But thanks to America's Web Radio. Come catch us next time on Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz.